You're listening to Greenland, Episode 3, Who's Them Dems? I'm Diana Elliott, and I'm a freelance writer from Melbourne, Australia. And I'm Donald Betts. I'm a former U.S. state senator from Kansas. We talk about hot topics relevant to Americans and Australians. What makes us different and what makes us similar? It's not the place, but a state of mind. Greenland. Today's episode for for our listeners is about a little bit of a dummy's guide to the Democratic primaries. Um, So there's a lot of candidates that are in the race at the moment, um, and they sort of it sort of seems to be like you know a bit um, Game of Thrones ish, doesn't it? That you sort of you you got to keep yourself in the race um, or be eliminated. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole lot of parameters that you know that can occur with if you don't get enough funding or you don't have enough, I mean, you could talk through probably what those criteria are, but we wanted to talk a little bit about what this primary race is all about and when it sort of ends and what the sort of rough timeline is of when we might get to see the actual candidate that's going to be standing for the Democratic um, Party against Donald Trump, presumably, um, next year. And then just sort of talk through some of the main contenders. And it's going to be pretty much an informal chat um, it's between Donald and myself today, um, just so that we can kind of, you know, um, let you in on some of those front runners mm-hmm. and some of their perhaps uh, long shots and um, hopefully get to know them a little bit more as this race goes on. It started off with like 16 or so uh, front runners, uh, the pool of candidates vying for the uh, the party's nomination in 2020 was of the of, of among some of the most diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the largest in United States history. Really? So I like the process. I see that, you know, people are, are getting out, giving the public a, a, a broader view of who's out there and, and to test those ideas. But in this particular Democratic race, it has really boiled down to, after the fifth debate to just recently happened a, a few days ago, really maybe five top contenders. Mm-hmm. But those that ran, they've almost applied for interview. It was almost an interview process. If you look at it, to run for president of the United States, you have to raise a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to get the, you know, the party's nod, so to speak. You know, the people have to, unless you're Bloomberg and you can bankroll your own your own campaign. Yeah. It's uh, it's very difficult to get that 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 nod to, you know, to 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 get on those platforms and start discussing issues. But with those guys that have bowed out, like. Uh, uh, John Delaney or Julian uh, Julian Casco or uh, Stephen but- uh, Bullock, these guys have interviewed. So if the Democrats become uh, move into the White House, mm-hmm. the guys that ran for president will be the first pick. They will the president, the new Democratic president, will look at them and say, "You know what? I like Julian Castro's ideas on this. Maybe I will appoint him." To this seat. So it's a win-win situation Mm -hmm. because it takes guts to get out there and run for president of the United States in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. But I would I would boil them down to uh, the top three. I'll give you the top three, which will be uh, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders at this point. Bernie Sanders. What's um, I mean, he's a sort of an interesting one because he's galvanized the youth. 
Yes. The youth. Um, they were all kind of <laughs> falling in line behind him. Um, why is that? What's his appeal to them? Well, uh, Bernie, he comes from a, u- a unique area of the com- of the country. Uh, but Bernie also carries a lot of diversity within himself. He's from the Jewish background. Mm-hmm. He's a um, he's a very knowledgeable and um, and capable legislator. Uh, he gets things done. And not only that, but he speaks to the heart of the youth. Mm-hmm. You know, many of the youth are, they're working minimum, minimum wage jobs. Single, single families are working minimum wage jobs. They are going bankrupt because of health care. Uh, college tuitions are choking our, our generation of, of brilliance out. Um, it's being, becoming less, uh, competitive in America when, when the youth are not learning and they're, they're inundated with all of this, this, university debt bernie has a solution and he says let's wipe it away let's do something that's going to benefit our our future uh from for generations to come mm-hmm. and yet uh it's it's a struggle on how we pay for these things but mm-hmm. i say it's it can be done i mean we we send trillions of dollars outside of the country to other nations mm-hmm. surely if we turn around and say you know what everyone pay your fair share let's build america for the future of america and not just for today mm-hmm. so bernie be, even though he's of age i mean i think he may be pushing um 80 or you know 78 or 78 yeah. 80 um he still has a progressive outlook for the future of America. Mm, well, the most progressive. The almost, most. He almost eclipses. Well, he does sort of eclipse Elizabeth Warren yeah, in some areas. I think so. So he calls himself a democratic socialist. Mm. And there's a lot of banding around of this term socialist. Mm, especially and, in America. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, is that an evil word? Is it an evil thing? Is it an understood thing? Because... You know, historically, socialism has been a form of, I guess, um, you know, production where the government takes control. There's a centralization of that um, and a redistribution on, you know, in a centralized way of, mm. of wealth, not in the communist realm, but it's it's sort of, as he says, he models himself on some of the Scandinavian countries mm-hmm. where they have the government um, providing a fair amount of welfare, in mm-hmm. inverted commas, uh, whether that's free education or um, health care. But that money has to come from somewhere, mm-hmm. and it's, I think, in those countries from higher taxes. Um, whereas America has got this system, it seems, of well, especially under Trump, of, of pretty much lowering the taxes. Mm-hmm to then free up the spending to then drive the economy. So it's a completely different um, approach. Yeah, that old trickle-down theory is outdated, mm. uh, and that's what Bernie believes. It's it's outdated. Mm. One, by the time it gets to the bottom, there's not even a drop left. No, that's right. So he says, let's, let's redo the system, yep. and we have a, a, tr- a, a trickle-up. Yeah. You know, everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. Look at Australia, mm. for instance. Mm. Australia is remarkable. Students can study. Mm. You know, if you get sick, you can get to the doctor. Yeah. Uh you you're not you're not going to go bankrupt because of your uh you have a a, a cough. Mm. Whereas in America, you go into the the emergency room and you may walk out with a $1000 bill mm. if you're lucky. Yeah. 
So, yeah, people can be bankrupted through ill health. That's right. Yeah, which you know? is just, I mean, it must be an extremely terrifying prospect, especially terrifying. if you have a family. Um, but the thought that not only you're dealing with the illness, but the the financial impact of that, which would just be devastating. Devastating. Um, so, yeah, Bernie has got that very different and, you know, very left approach. Biden is at the top right now, and he's he's loved by the, the largest voting public, which is 65 and older. So mm-hmm. if those voters continue to come out strong like they have historically, mm-hmm. Biden will be the presumptive nominee for the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it might be helpful for our Australian listeners and perhaps less engaged American people for us to kind of give each each of these shortlisted ones a little bit of a moniker so that we can kind of, you know, because it is hard to remember all these names. I mean, um, but Joe Biden sort of seems to be, from my perspective, presenting himself as kind of the, you know, the kind of lovable uncle that's been around a long time, seen it all, um, Mr. Nice Guy kind of thing, Um, Mr. Dependable, because he's been such a, I mean, you know, he's former vice president, so he's pretty well qualified for the job. Um, but do you think, Donald, that his age, I mean, he's 77 years old. Yeah, he's, he's well, yeah, 77 years old, 76, 77 years old. And Joe Biden served as vice president under uh, President Obama uh, from 2009 to two, uh, 2017. And after nearly four decades as a senator from Delaware, uh, he also ran for president uh, once. And... Um, Actually, this will be his third attempt as president, and his first White House bid in 1987 ended after a plagiarism scandal. So there's all of these scandals that are following Biden, Mm. like a lot of scandals were following Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, So the public may look at Biden and say, you know what? There we go again. Mm. You're part of the establishment. You know, Mm. yes, he has the name recognition. Yes, he's a seasoned politician. But Biden also comes with a little political baggage. Mm. And Not the, to mention, you know, the, the the little case of the Ukrainian yes. investigation. And, and, and even though it, it, it's, there's some mud that's got to stick from that with, with Hunter Biden kind of getting this plum job of $50,000 a year on the Ukrainian, on the board of a Ukrainian company. It just, it just doesn't sort of sit right, does it? Yeah. And, and, you know, the Democrats have accused Trump of pressuring the Ukraine to find incriminating information on Biden after withholding nearly 400 million in U.S. security aid to the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um there's been no evidence wrongdoing no. by the Bidens for the, in, you know, in their credit, mm. there has been no, no wrongdoing, but a, a positive for Biden, he is 76, 77 years old. Mm. And you would almost need someone at Donald Trump's level to go toe to toe. A young person, will they be, will they come off as being disrespectful to an elder? No. <laughs> God, could you could you come off that way to Donald Trump? He doesn't command a lot of respect, does he? I mean, he's a magician. He knows how to pull lots of tricks out of his he hat. He does. I mean, you need to have a, a great fortitude, I think, to go up against him. But it seems as though you're right that, that there's this kind of democratic um, fork in the road that they'll go with a Joe Biden who's sort of safe, dependable, kind of middle of the road, or there'll be this kind of push 
to the to the left and an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders will take the reins and and kind of push the Democrats in in a completely you know a direction that's a lot sharper than perhaps Joe Biden never would. Yes, really really give a clear uh, choice mm. as to what the how America should move. Yeah. Uh, with Elizabeth Warren, um, she served as a U.S. senator uh, from Massachusetts since, let's say, 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's known as a progressive, taught law at several universities, and has a and and as a Harvard professor, she um, she's very passionate about um, not accepting campaign contributions from political action committees. She's against Wall Street, mm-hmm. was instrumental in creating a consumer financial protection bureau. So there is a real clear divide between Donald Trump and Elizabeth Warren, but also a divide between Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, if you look at age, you would even have to turn your mind to Michael Bloomberg, who's 77 years old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have almost 50 years in between all of these candidates. Mm-hmm. And it's like Trump kind of validates. I mean, but look, Trump, he every morning he tweets every morning he's up. You don't see him weak. It seems like he gets stronger by the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in, in terms of age, you know, doesn't weary him at it, all. It doesn't. It doesn't. And maybe he married young, and that's maybe. <laughs> well, he, maybe yeah, he did marry young. young. He did marry young. <laughs> <laughs> in a matter of speaking. Didn't so he? maybe that's keeping him young. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it is. It's true, though, isn't it? There's sort of lanes, isn't there? There's the Democrat sort of the progressive lane. We've got Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Um, is there anyone else you'd kind of put in that lane? Cory Booker, do you think? Uh, I'd rather not talk about Cory Booker. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, if we, you want to talk about him, we can talk about Cory Booker. Yeah, we have to, to, yeah, we have to get Booker. to that because um, I want to know that backstory. Um, but then you've got the kind of the moderate middle-of-the-road uh, lane where you have Joe Biden, Amy Klobuchar, and – Tulsi Gabbard. And uh, what's his name? Peter, Mayor Pete. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. Who, he could be a bit of a dark horse. I mean, yeah. he's only 37. I'm currently reading his book, actually, called wow. The Shortest Way Home. I know I'm a bit. Um, but it's – he's it, he's got a really interesting backstory. For, for, for a man half the age of um, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, yeah. there's a touch of, dare I say it, Kennedy about him. You know, he's yeah. just, he's just he's very impressive. I saw him in the last debate. He just he was obviously prepped extremely well, but yep. he held his own. And I think because he is starting to gather a little bit of momentum in his campaign, his that sort of spotlight swung his way, and the other candidates are, are sort of trying to henpeck him a little bit. Yeah, but he withstood that pretty well. Yeah, Pete, he's um, thirty-seven years old. He's um, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana since 2012 and i like the way he answered a question when he was confronted in the debate by i believe it was tosi gabbard about you know you being a mayor or she was trying to discredit him um in his military service and discredit mm-hmm. him but all politics is local in mm-hmm. pete's defense all politics is local but kamala also addressed the fact that pete had no Afri- he had no relationship with african americans mm-hmm. and minorities and i believe that this 
the importance of these debates and the, and the importance of this campaigning is to vet, train, and equip the next president. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe Pete has lacks cultural sensitivity, mm-hmm. but these debates will train him and teach him, I need to do better. Yeah. And I believe that he's young enough and receptive enough to get out there and do better and engage with the the broader population. I mean, he's from South Bend, Indiana. I mean, of course, his his um, his cultural base is going to be thin. But as a result of these debates, he's he's being vetted Mm. and um, he's the first openly gay Democratic candidate to run for president. He announced his presidential bid on the 23rd of uh, 2019, which. That's saying something in itself, you know, after the gay marriage amendment has passed, he's he's openly gay and married. It's is America ready for that? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. He's very he wears that quite openly. Um, And I think that's admirable. And I liked how he answered a question in the most recent debate about, you know, his his lack of appeal to African-American voters. And he, he pretty much framed that as well. I might not have direct experience of, you know, he didn't say it in, in as many words, but I might not be black or mm-hmm. a woman, but I do have the experience of fighting for civil rights, yeah. you know, and I think that, that that sort of appeal, and he's also, I think, announced a kind of $10 billion Afri- African-American entrepreneurship program mm-hmm. or fund, which is pretty which is pretty on par with some of the things that you were talking about in the in the first episode about you know the fact that there is this big gap between um black american people and white american people and that there needs to be something to help close that mm-hmm. that kind of gap and and there's a even a even widening gap of every demographic and i i believe it was uh, andrew yang who brought this brought this forward. And, he, and Andrew Yang is um, the founder of Venture for America. Um, he um, He's the tech guy. He's, he's the tech he's guy. He's the moniker of the tech guy. Yeah. yeah uh, the Obama administration selected him as a champion of change. You know, he's, he, he's, he's our only Asian on the, on the platform. Mm. And there's an, another demographic, Asian America, Latino American, African American, Caucasian American, there's so many divides, mm. clear cut, you know, and I believe the ultimate divide is between the rich and the poor. Yeah. And that's where a lot of this this uh division is is, is start is spanning from and that creates racism. It creates uh, tension and hostility towards fellow Americans. It should not be that way. So uh, from, from your view, what, who do you think will be the best uniter from, from looking at the debates in Australia and having to look at some of these candidates who could unite the country without being so hostile it's it's really that's a really good question and it's hard to answer because as you say each of the candidates appeals to a particular demographic for different reasons mm. but then do people vote through recognition of themselves or do they vote for an aspirational version of themselves or America you know and one of the people that I think is probably just not getting enough and 
probably isn't going to end up too far down the road is Amy Klobuchar. I mean, mm. she she's sort of like the smart girl <laughs> in class who doesn't get the recognition, you know, isn't chosen to be class captain or something because she just seems to be so well qualified for the job. She's got a lot of expertise as a senator, I think, from Minnesota. Um, and yet she, if I had to give her a moniker, it would be sort of get stuff done. She's she's just the woman. I mean, Elizabeth Warren might have a plan for everything, which she does, but <laughs> Amy seems to have this sort of, she just, she's got a really strong track record. And I think she was kind of voted by the New York Times and perhaps the New Yorker at one point as being, you know, the, the person most likely to be the first female president of the United States. And yet in the last debate, she sort of seemed almost slightly exasperated mm. that Mayor Pete was taking the stage. He, he was he was just he was yeah. in the front front lane there, you know, yeah. and uh he was just Mr. Cool. And it was appealing to see him um in that regard. So I'm sort of my my money's a little bit on him. I think he could be a bit of a dark horse. Um and I do think that America, I mean this is as an outsider, so I have mm -hmm. no um vested interest in this. But it just seems that America needs a quantum change, you know, and and that a lot of people might say, well, Donald Trump got elected because of the failure of the the moderates of the party, and Obama mm. didn't live up to his potential in the eyes of many, and so now it's kind of like you've had your you've had your chance running, and you tried Clinton, don't go with Biden because you're just going to go down the same old road. Mm. And you've got to go for something that's going to be much more, that's going to ignite people um, and, and have people stand behind. I don't know if Mayor Pete did, but. For me, President Obama was the most inspirational president. And mm. for me, he was, um, he broke the glass ceiling for many, uh, many folks that look like him. Someone like Pete, who's young, yeah. put, put all of his social, personal issues or his personal life to the side. Yeah. As a leader, mm. as a leader, someone who's willing to learn, to take up new ideas and and lead with um, intellect. Mm. He's a smart guy. Smart. I mean, and really I think if they vet him enough and build him up, if mm. he gets enough Kamala kicking at him, yeah. he could be a, a really good a good president. Um, she almost, you know, she gave him a pass because Kamala Harris is really, uh, she, she, she doesn't bite her tongue. Mm -hmm. You know, she is a true fighter. Mm -hmm. She would make an excellent U.S. Attorney General. You see why these, mm -hmm. it, it all comes together. You yeah. can almost see where everyone fits. Now, um, Elizabeth Warren, I mean, she, we need a woman. Finally, we need a woman to serve in, in that seat. But is can she go toe to toe with Donald Trump? Uh, and that's how I gauge it now. Who can go toe to toe with Donald Trump, blow for blow? Do you mean on a policy platform, though? Are you talking sort of someone that can withstand his, you know, what are going to be very insulting jibes? I mean, because I just think that 
people have to be thinking more strategically around policy. And and she comes with, you know, this whole Medicare for all and free tuition and college. And it's kind of like, that sounds amazing. But how on earth are they going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for that? Well, I mean, America's the most wealthy country in the world. I mean, we, mm. we can find a way to pay. We can pay for these wars. We can give all mm. this aid around the world. There's no way that we cannot pay. I mean, there's no, we should not have that kind of excuse. However, the election is going to come down to the fight. Mm. It's going to come down to getting on that stage with Donald Trump yeah. and being able to show America a fight. Mm. You know, uh, Donald Trump, he, he's a great, he's a great performer. Mm. He, he's, he's, he knows how to push buttons. Who can withstand that? And punch back. Mm. Americans want a fighter. Mm. Donald Trump is a fighter. So who is going to get on this stage? Will Pete be chewed up mm. on that stage with Donald Trump? Because he will chew whoever's on that stage. He will chew them up. I guess so, the good thing for the Democrats is that he's now been on stage now for, what is it, three years or more. And so where before he was this surprise package that just popped out of the box and no one expected, they just wanted to put the lid back on him. It, and they didn't quite know how to deal with it once mm. he got there and didn't take him seriously. And I think now everyone takes him very seriously. Definitely. Um, and so they've probably had, you know, three good years of preparation as to how to deal with that type of, because he's pretty, he's got a pretty reliable playbook. You know, he, mm -hmm. he insults at a personal level, he digs up dirt um, and he just tries to appeal to the kind of, um, well, his his demographic that he's talking to. Tulsi Gabbard. Now she's a fighter. Yeah. She's. I mean, literally, she was. You know, in in the military. You know, as a U.S. She's, she's impressive too, and I find it interesting that she she's polling so low, like around two percent or something, mm. and yet um, she was on uh, the Jimmy Dore show, and I know I, I gave a shout out to this in the first episode. Yeah. Um, which is Jimmy, you love Jimmy Dore. I do don't love you? Jimmy Dore, and I think I love. His show because I mean, well, Jimmy Dore, if you're listening, why don't you come on and, and talk to us? <laughs> yes. You know, Diana really likes your show, man. <laughs> I do, I do, and yeah, imagine that—that'd be amazing. Um, but he, I mean, look, I think I like that show because it opens up my eyes to a whole lot of stuff that you know you don't you don't see portrayed in the media, mm -hmm. or he gives a different spin on it. And I don't agree with everything that he says or his interpretation of things, but. Um, he he had he's a very big Bernie Sanders fan, um, mm -hmm. and he also is a big Tulsi Gabbard fan. And he had her on the show, I don't know, a week or two ago, and it was actually interesting. She 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 was fantastic. I mean, she was with a friendly, I guess, so she wasn't being put on the spot too much. But that environment allowed her to kind of reveal herself, I think, to a, to a whole lot of the democratic kind of community perhaps that didn't really know her that well or yep. that knew her as somebody who had displayed a lack of judgment. I think a lot of her democratic colleagues believed. I think, I don't know what she did. She went and met with someone or other and it was frowned upon. Yeah, Hillary Clinton came out and said she's a Russian plant or yeah, something like that. And, yeah. you know, she served in the... Army National Guard, but the one thing that may fall back from, uh, may hit um, Tulsi Gabbard, if, even if she start polling well, is America is a really strong 
Christian nation. I mean, even the Kennedys had a problem getting through. Uh, they, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks from Catholic background have, you know, there's, there's a lots of attack because it's a Christian nation, right? Yeah. She's a Hindu. Uh, she? yeah, yeah, she's the first Hindu member of Congress. And also she opposed the, uh, she was a fierce opponent when she was in the state legislature in her twenties, uh, fierce opponent of same sex marriage. Um, she's now, I mean, like I remember I was telling you how this campaign can kind of vet you and train you. She's yeah. now disavowed those views on mm-hmm. same sex marriage, but those Historical issues in a candidate's profile can come back and bite them when they run for higher office. Yeah, and with her, her numbers are polling low, but she would be a she'd be a wonderful, maybe uh, Secretary of Defense or mm. some. Because she's definitely advocating America getting out of these overseas wars. That's right. She just says, "Just get the hell out. We've got no place there." And it's all about these regime change. Um, Wars uh, rather than military mm-hmm. um, operations per se. What's your view then on um, Amy Klobuchar? Amy, um, she's, you know, when she was doing the um, Brent Kavanaugh um, hearing, that's when I believe she got her claim to fame. Mm-hmm. She really came after him. Uh, she was fierce in her questioning of him. And um, during the hearings, uh, she was unrelenting mm-hmm. and she sparred with him, you know, toe to toe. And then soon after, uh, she announced her uh, her run for president mm-hmm. last year uh, in February. She qualifies for all five debates uh, so far. She may make it to the uh, February, the Iowa, New Hampshire caucuses. Uh, she may have a chance. She is a senator. Mm, bit of faint praise there, I think, Donald. Uh, I think yeah. you're basically saying she hasn't got a hope, but she might get a, a she might get a plum job at the yeah, end. Yeah, I think she all. might get a, a cabinet position. She kind of gives me a vibe, you know, Mallory from Family Ties. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she really sort yeah. of reminds me of her. She's really, I mean, she's not boring. She's just really... Um, Smart, like you said before, she's really sharp. She's smart. She knows her stuff. I think she's very privileged. I don't know how right. well she can connect okay. to the um, to the to the rest of America. Mm-hmm. You need in America, you're going to need someone to really go after the African American vote and yep. the Latino vote. And if you cannot appeal to those audiences, you will definitely lose the election. Yep, gotcha. I don't think she has that type of appeal. Now let's talk about Cory Booker. Uh oh. And why you are dark on him. Because he, to me, just from a complete outsider's not knowing anything about him beforehand perspective, he's an impressive media performer. You know, he's I call him the righteous man. That's my moniker for him because he just, he wears his faith on his sleeve, which, you know, as you said, America's a very Christian kind of society. Um, and even if he doesn't have faith, he's Cory Booker's <laughs> the type of person that's going to claim it. <laughs> To the dire end. Oh God! Let's get let's let's uncover some of this dirt. No, I mean I was running for U.S. Congress, you know, and I met Cory Booker in Washington D.C. on several occasions. He was just the mayor at the time in um, in Jersey, in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, before he became senator. So I gave Cory a call. I got his, you know, we we connected in D.C. He said, "Call me. I'm, you know, I'd love to help you for your congressional race." I was like, "Cool." 
So I was doing call time. Mm-hmm. And call time is when we sit, uh, you sit at a desk all day. You have a minder passing you numbers and you're asking for money. You're yeah. asking for support all day until you meet a hustling. You're hustling until you hit a number and then you can go eat and then you can go use the restroom. Wow. It, it was that's the part I hate mm. about politics. Yeah. My grandmother would call them, oh, you're going out and sending out some of them begging letters, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, that was the part I didn't like. I would yeah. prefer to get out there, press the flesh, knock on doors, meet people, mm-hmm. you know, connect. But that doesn't pay for television ads and radio and yeah. all of the other stuff that Australian politicians really don't have to go out and yeah. really do, yeah. you know, because they're provided with certain luxuries, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I called Cory Booker and I said, hey, Corey, um, this is Donald Betts. Hey, Donald, um, how can I help you? Uh, hey, I, I want to, uh, I was wondering if you can give me some support. You know, if you can mm-hmm. open up your base to me and, and, and help me raise a little bit of money. He said, how do you feel about school choice? I'm from the state of Kansas. I, I support public schools. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I, I support public schools, man, plain and simple. You know, uh, I'll consider looking at school choice, but uh, for my state, Public schools are needing the, are needing the funding. He said, "Well, you know, uh, if you can't support, um, if you're if you're not totally for um, school choice and independent schools, I can't support you. I'm sorry, man." Wow. And that was that. What? So just for our Australian listeners, he's a one so- issue pony. Okay, so to me, um, <laughs> love it. Um, it- so school choice, are you talking about the government funding private schools and yes. public schools? Okay. Yes. Yep. And so he was sort of like saying that you needed to do that and you're saying no, 100% funding to? He, he's 100% independent schools. Right. Um, 100% independent. Wow. Yeah. So his his focus was more on, uh, on uh, charter schools. Uh-huh. So, Okay. That's fine. That's mm. one issue. Let's mm. talk about other issues that we agreed on. Yeah. But I'm a young man. I'm running for U.S. Congress in the state of Kansas. We can always talk about that. But support support your brother. You always yeah. talk about brothers and African-Americans and building mm. up the African-American community and professing your faith. Mm. Then action speaks louder, louder than words, mate. Mm. You know, it's like, come on. <laughs> so at that point, I was like, and my whole campaign team were like, what? Mm. No way. You know, mm. so from that point forward, every time I look at Cory Booker, I go and get me something to drink if he's debating. And, and then me too. I'm gonna, I'm down. striking him off my my top list. Well, here. I mean, I, you know, look, <laughs> hey, that's my personal yeah. opinion. You know, maybe he. I mean, he's he's a U.S. senator, so he's done something right, and I'm yeah. sure he's done some amazing work in New Jersey. And I, I'm wrong to just base my opinion of him <laughs> off of one call, but no, it's fair enough. I liked him initially when we met in D.C. We were cool. We connected. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you know, you're a one-issue pony. So Yeah. Just. He's not doing very well either on his, um, you know, I mean, if, if the ratings are to be believed. Mm. I think people are very cynical now with Brexit and yeah. even the Australian, the most recent Australian election. Even the Trump election. The Trump election. What I mean, the polls? It's, the polls are kind of like saying one thing and then the result turns out to be another. So yeah. I think that's why it's very important not to discount people based on that. Although it does seem, as you said, in America, that the criteria for continuing to be in the democratic race is pretty transparent. You need mm-hmm. to have a particular amount of funding and yep. you need to have a particular number of supporters. And that's why I say Biden 
overall, yeah. and he he's he's polling very high. If yeah. we if we stick to the polls with voters sixty five and over, mm-hmm. now Bernie he still has a young population. They just like mm-hmm. they just burn for Bernie. You know mm-hmm. they love Bernie Sanders, but they don't come out to vote. No. They're they're a little bit apathetic when it comes to voting. However, if they do come out in strong numbers, mm-hmm. that may boost Bernie up a little bit. Elizabeth still sits in second. Mm-hmm. Senator Senator Warren, but Buttigieg places in terms of the polls right now high in Iowa and New Hampshire, which you know is very important historically. And it is interesting, you know, that as you said, it's it's a it's a job interview for these for these people who perhaps know, like the Andrew Yangs of the world, mm-hmm. they're not going to get um, to be the the pre- the presidential candidate. You wouldn't think. However. He he's changing the conversation around some things. You know, he's he's sort of written some book called The War on Normal People or, and and talks about job displacement and automation and you know that AI is is kind of one of the biggest threats to American disruptive technology yeah. and all of that stuff. And, and, and he's ahead of his time. He is, isn't he? Mm. And he, and I find that quite interesting because again, it's it's stuff that, you know, as a society, it's it's great for people to kind of ignite conversations around these things, even if ultimately, you know, he doesn't get anywhere near Donald Trump in fighting against him. But he's he's loading he's loading some of these conversations and policy decisions, hopefully, down the track uh, with his insights. In Kamala's case, I think she'll be more uh, she'll be more helpful one to the Democratic Party. By dropping out, I think it was a strategic move on her part because then um, she can help the can- the the presumptive nominee. Uh, her her. But you said her appeal though. What was her appeal? Because she had a really well. Her appeal was to the African American community. Mm-hmm. Uh, was to the um, the South Asian community. Her mother was a Tamil woman, mm-hmm. uh, um, Indian background, and her father was from Jamaica. Uh, so she had this uh, unique diversity about her. Uh, her. Her husband is uh, Caucasian American, mm-hmm. uh, so there's so much diversity surrounding Kamala Harris and her ability to speak up when no one else will speak up. And uh, she's strong, and mm-hmm. she's vibrant, and she's a, a woman's woman. You know, mm-hmm. she's uh, she's a, a very powerful in her own right. But I think in in this case, she had to cut her losses. But did she really lose mm. or is she going to really gain? She's still a U.S. senator. Mm. Uh, now, whoever becomes the presumptive nominee will be knocking on her door. Well, what do you feel about the party, the Democratic Party, having to make they're at this fork in the road and they either go with a Joe Biden, which is a sort of a centralist character, or a Pete Buttigieg who've talked about or do you think that, you know, it's time for a, a real change and, and one that's going to shake up the system uh, for America, not just because they're ousting Trump or trying to, but because it's fundamentally changing the nature of the environment in which Trump percolated to that position in the first place? It is time for a, a, a real, true change. And you know what? To be honest with you, if Bernie Sanders was to become president, I think that change would happen. It would undoubtedly happen because, you know, 
party, you know, the, the heads of parties are billionaires. They're multimillionaires. Mm. Uh, they're slowly becoming disconnected with the general public. And leaders that have walked that walked in before came in with a good heart, mm -hmm. with a good idea. But sometimes once you once you get in there and all that bureaucracy and politics, it kind of uh, it distorts your view of where and why you started. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure when I was when I was serving in office that that didn't happen because it's really easy. It, it's really easy. You you're um, you become numb to a lot of what happens when testimonies when i first started uh in office the there was a testimony that would you know make me want to break down and cry but after serving some time i'm just like come on come on finish up let's go next mm. let's move mm -hmm. that whole sensitivity to the public's cry became less and less sentimental because of the business of politics mm -hmm. And a lot of politicians have become about the business and less about the people. And Bernie Sanders, he still stays connected to the people mm. and they depend on him. I believe Bernie will, will change the youth like never before. Mm. He will do something so significant to inspire the youth. And that's something we need in this day, in this day, in this world. Will he win president in this time of 2019 going up against Donald Trump, if the youth come out in mm. strong numbers, mm. if they step up and do what's right mm. and they believe in, in the policies of uh, Senator Sanders, most definitely the youth can change the whole paradigm. But if they sit at home, mm. as some would believe they are going to do, yeah. then Bernie Sanders will not be president of the United States. Yeah. Not in this life, at least. It's interesting that there is this whole conspiracy theory, if you like, of a Bernie blackout, that the media, um, traditional established media, are not reporting really on him very much or giving him a platform. Um, and that that speaks to the kind of level of power that's been wielded by the, you know, former establishment mm -hmm. candidates uh, like Clinton, for example. Um, so... Yeah, it's 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 if he does get to the top, it's going to be via that power of the many yep. and, and a more of a subversive. That's whole of, social media and Twitter. Yeah. The, the the youth can do it. Yeah, well, they did it for Obama, didn't they? They sure did. Yeah, twice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, shall we talk about the most recent Johnny Come Lately to the campaign, <laughs> Michael guy. Bloomberg, the billionaire? Yeah, the billionaire. What on earth is he thinking, given how old he is, the fact that he's got – he's a very accomplished man um, and he's hes probably the oldest, I think, out of them all, just yeah. saying something. Um, mm. Why on earth? What's his motivation? Michael Bloomberg said, I can do – if who prevents me from doing it? Mm. I'm an American citizen. If I want to run for president, I can run for president. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a, a faithful Democrat for many years, and then he w jumped on the Republican ticket to run for New York mayor. Uh, the first election cost him $99 per vote. You know, if you if you estimate it out and do the statistics, which will run him about a, a, uh, close to $100 million. The oh, second election cost him about 107 million. So they estimate that if he runs for president nationwide and if he bankrolls it, it'll cost him about 
six point six billion dollars. Wow. He's got fifty nine billion in the bank. It's not going to hurt him. <laughs> Small change. <laughs> but why? But 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 beyond the fact that he can, what? Why do you think he's doing it? He he believes, and this is what he says that he believes that Trump is a threat to our democracy, mm-hmm. and he's doing it for the sake of our country. And aren't we all running for office for the sake of our country? But if he honestly believes that, and 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 true to form, he's a political servant at heart. If you're going to run three terms as New York mayor in New yeah. York, you, you know, you're technically a president in itself yeah. <laughs> in its own mini country. But if he's true to form and he has a, a, a true heart for politics, then he's right. Mm-hmm. He has a right to run. And maybe it's a power grab. Maybe you know, it's a Trump thing. Maybe, maybe it's a, a Trump thing. Maybe they have kind some of kind man. of yeah. vendetta. I don't know. But whatever the case, and it sounds like that. I mean, if he was a friend, you wouldn't say he was a threat to democracy. <laughs> uh, you say, I just want to run for president. So there may be some underlining um, uh, tension there. And if he is the presumptive nominee, if he buys his way the, through the pre- presidency, we'll, follow, we'll find out everything. Yeah. The show will be a great show to yeah. watch. What's next on the timeline here? So the the first date we have to look for after the holidays, after we all put on a little bit of weight and, you know, <laughs> bring in the new year with our New Year's resolutions. Uh, in terms of the political landscape, uh, February 3rd is the day to, to look out for. And that is the Iowa caucus. Mm-hmm. Um Iowa still has uh, Pete Buttigieg polling high mm-hmm. in in Iowa mm-hmm. uh, and New Hampshire, so there could still be some disruption in this whole idea that you know pollsters pollsters know better. That's not the case. If they knew better, then we would have Hillary. We'll be discussing Hillary Clinton right now mm-hmm. and not Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, so we, we don't know what to look out for, but February is, you know, and we'll keep you tuned. Of course, we'll keep our audience yeah, tuned, we won't do. we? we will. And we're going to go through some more of the um, material issues that matter to the American people in the lead up to the, uh, to the election, including looking at the whole Medicare for all mm. scenario. What does it even mean? Mm. Um, the Green New Deal that Bernie Sanders is a big fan of and has... Um, I think released a six point sixteen point three trillion dollar blueprint mm. to fight climate change, wow. um, and we'll also talk about some other aspects that are issues that matter to Americans. One of the things we're going to be introducing on our Greenland podcast is a new section called "You've Got Mail." You've and got mail. You've got mail. Do we have any today? <laughs> we actually do. Really? Yes. We have our first piece of mail from a listener, so thank you very much. Oh. This one's a shout-out to uh, Anonymous. All right. Please, yep. please read. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. It says, I'm enjoying the first two episodes. Thank you. Um I've noticed that Donald often talks about African-Americans, and I'm wondering, is it appropriate to refer to Americans as black, or should we be saying African Americans? Hmm. Good question. Thank you, Anonymous. Well, you know, I can't speak for all African Americans or black folks or um, Africans or however we define who we are, but I I define myself as an African American Mm -hmm. or a black American. Um, Well, that doesn't help. Which one would you prefer? African American. Yep. 
just because it, it 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 gives a story of my roots, yeah, my ancestry, where I come from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I'm a I'm an American. Yeah, I'm a I don't know anything else other than America. Well, you're uh, not Australia. You're a dual citizen. Well, yeah, you know, I, I am a first generation <laughs> Australian. American Australian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and see, in Australia, you're just Australian. Yeah. You know, you're not uh, black Australian, white Australian, mm. you're Australian. Yes. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the census forms, we have to select, in America, we have to select uh, Hispanic, African American, Caucasian, Native American, Indian American, whatever, mm. Asian American. So they they break it down. My Great, great, great grandparents were slaves. Mm. So, um, and where did the slaves come from? They came from Africa. So, um, we kind of take on that term. Uh, So, basically, for our audience, it's not it's not derogatory to call you black or to call people in America that happen to have black skin black. It's okay to call them African Americans as well if that's their heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's sort of I guess what you're saying and it makes sense is that it attributes a little bit more to your cultural heritage Mm -hmm. by saying African American as opposed to just. Black, you know, black or you're white because you never yeah. really say white Americans, do you? Just, no, you yeah. just say Americans. Yeah. So I think that's good. And thank you for the question, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. We hope there's many more. Please bring them on. so much for listening to us today on Greenland. If you'd like to become a Greenlander, visit greenlandthepodcast.com and follow the links to subscribe. We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on your chosen podcast listening app. Um, that really helps us to kind of percolate to the top and to also get a nice little bit of feedback from you guys. If you'd like to send us an email, you'll find uh, links to contact us on our webpage as well. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Next week.